Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, a few weeks ago, we we started this series called Listening for God, and the whole premise of this study is the reality that we can find ourselves in, and I think a lot of us find ourselves there, I know I've been there, is where our religious exercises, our church attendance, our Christianity just seems empty, and in a way, it's almost, it can become empty and just routine, where, yeah, it's Sunday morning, I'm supposed to go to church. And, but when you ask people, what, what do you like about church? Well, you know, I like, I like the things we do, I like the people. But have you noticed we don't ever say anything about Jesus when we talk about why we like church? And, and in, in a lot of ways, that's the reality of where we're at today in North American Christianity. But yet inside of us is this longing for something more. And, and over the last few weeks, we've looked at that and we saw that, that the fulfillment of that only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, here's, here's the dilemma that we face. I've got two things I want to point out to you. The, the first one is this. We realize that our relationship with Jesus is not what it should be. You say, no, well, that's not a dilemma. That's just kind of where I'm at. Well, I'm going to tell you the dilemma here in a moment. First thing is, is that we realize that our relationship with Jesus is not where it should be or what it should be. Now, you say, how, how can you be sure about that? Well, to be honest with you, as I talk with people, as I interact with them, as I have intimate conversation with them about where they're at in their walk with Jesus, inevitably, everybody always says to me, you know, I love the Lord, but my relationship's not where it should be right now. I love the Lord, but my relationship with Him is not where it should be right now. There, you know, there's, I'm, I'm wrestling with this, or I'm struggling with this, and, you know, I just seem empty. And, and, and I think every one of us here can relate to that. So here's the dilemma that we face. Second point here. Our efforts to renew the relationship are useless. Our efforts to renew the relationship are useless. So you come up and you say, hey, George, what do you think I should do? And I say, well, you know, you read your Bible. Okay, so you read your Bible, but you still got that same emptiness. So maybe you need to pray more. So, hey, you're praying more, but you still are what? empty. In fact, you're wanting something more. It's a dilemma. So maybe it's being involved in church more. Doesn't work because the issue isn't that you're doing something. So, you know, our efforts to renew our relationship with Jesus, they basically just seem, can I be honest with you? Useless. Now, you know, I've been guilty of it. As a pastor, I've been guilty. Well, you just need to, you just need to, you just need to. But I'm waking up to the reality that doesn't answer the emptiness. Because there's something more going on. What do you mean, George? Well, let's, let's liken it to a human relationship for a moment, okay? Have you noticed that there are stages to marriage? Have you noticed that? Stages to 
marriage relationships. Now, everybody is familiar with the honeymoon phase, right? Everybody know what the honeymoon phase is? That's typically about the first three years. They, they kind of likened it to three years. Now, you remember the honeymoon stage? The honeymoon stage, everybody's like, ah. And, 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 and you're very, you're very forgiving during the honeymoon stage, right? Have you noticed that? Oh, you hurt me, but that's okay because I love you. Now, after the honeymoon stage, which is typically when things change in a relationship, kids come along, have you noticed the relationship changes? And the longer you're married, the longer you're married, things aren't like they used to be in the honeymoon stage. Have you noticed that? But everybody wants to go back to the honeymoon. How do we go back to the honeymoon? And you even have a book, How to Rekindle the Fire. Because it's just smoke right now. It's not even a fire. For some people, it's out, okay? Okay? There's not even any heat there. So, okay, so have you noticed all the, here's what you got to do to rekindle the fire. Have you noticed this works? Spend more time with them. So there you are. You're spending time with them, and you're sitting in the same room spending, but you don't know what to talk about. You're just staring at each other. Do you, you know what I'm saying? We, we, we got all the, to go on a date night. Where do you want to go on a date night? So you go on a date night and you argue at the date. Do you know what I'm saying? Because that was supposed to change. Something's different. What, how do you make it different? You do stuff. No, doing stuff doesn't change it, does it? Have you found that to be true? Now, the younger couples are like, oh my goodness, is this what's ahead of us? Yes, but you can change that. See, just like with human relationships, doing stuff doesn't necessarily change it. Doing stuff doesn't necessarily change the relationship with Jesus either. So that's why we came to this passage, because we're going to look at a letter to a church that, to be honest with you, was doing all the right stuff, but they had a problem. Well, let's, let's read it together. We're just going to focus on four verses here. We're going to look at verses 2 through 5. Here's what Jesus, Jesus is saying this. Jesus is saying to this church, very prominent church, I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil. You have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. You have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You've left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to take these four verses, and I'm going to basically divide them into two sections. I'm going to talk about what our problem is, because we recognize that that something more can only be fulfilled with that relationship with Jesus. But man, remember we got that dilemma. We're doing all this stuff. It seems useless. What's the problem? So we're going to talk about what the problem is. And then we're going to look at what the solution is. We're going to look at the solution. So let's look, first of all, at the problem. Two points I want to make you from verses 2 through 4. Number one, our spiritual activities are not the issue. Our spiritual activities are not the issue. What do you mean by that, George? Well, you know what? If you feel like your relationship is not where it should be with Jesus, can I tell you, it's not because you're not praying enough. 
It's not because you're not reading the Bible enough, because that's what we can become convinced of, especially if we listen to preachers, and sometimes if you listen to me, you get this conclusion that, well, I just need to pray more, I just need to, I just need to read more, I just need to volunteer more at the church, I need to give more, I need to do all this stuff, and if, if I could do all this stuff, then maybe, maybe my relationship will be what it should be with Jesus. And so you try all that, but your relationship doesn't change. Have you noticed that? It still seems meaningless and useless and empty. And, and so you're wondering here, well, wait a minute, I'm doing all this stuff. Nothing's changing. In fact, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I think that's why some people leave church after a while. And they come to the conclusion that it's meaningless. Because I'm doing all this stuff and nothing's changing. I, I'm just going to be flat out honest with you. Our spiritual activities are not the issue. I'll give you an example from my own life. 31 years ago, I was, I was a freshman engineering student at the University of South Carolina. And I didn't come from a Christian home, didn't go to church. And through a college group, was introduced to Jesus, and I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I was just remembering this the other day. And I had a love for Jesus when I came to, to him. And I felt like I had a great relationship with him. So much so that when I prayed, I remember, I remember having a conversation with a guy who was inter- instrumental in my coming to Christ. He was talking about me praying. And I said, oh, yeah, I talk to Jesus all the time. What are you talking about? Oh, I talk to him about this, talk to him about that. Well, aren't you asking him for anything? He said. And I said, no. No, I'm not asking him for anything. I don't feel like that's right to go and ask him for something. And so I had this intimate time with Jesus where I would just talk to him about stuff going on in my life. But I would, and then the guy said, well, it's okay to ask. So I started asking. Now if you talk to me about my prayer time, most of my time I'm just asking. What changed? Something changed. And it wasn't the activity. In fact, I'll be honest with you, I think I pray more now than I did then. Did you hear that? I pray more now than I did then, but there's, I wasn't as empty as I am now. Did you hear what I'm saying? The issue isn't our spiritual activities. In fact, if anything, I'm a pastor now. I'm doing more for Jesus than I did then. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the issue, the problem, isn't our spiritual activities. That's not the issue. So what is it? Look at what he says there. Because here's a church that was doing all the right stuff. Look with me, verse 4. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you've left your first love. Here's what it is. The real problem is that we've lost our love for Jesus. That's what the real problem is. Okay, you're here. There's there's this desire within you for something more. It's like you come to church week after week. You know, you give, you... You participate, you volunteer, you, you, you pray, you read your Bible, but just something's missing. Could it be that the issue isn't the stuff you're doing? Could it be that you've fallen out of love with him? Do you know what I'm saying? 
Could it be that you and I have lost our love? Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, because you can do all... I mean, if you notice, do you understand? Do you have a marriage and you say, oh, we love each other, but do, do you really love each other? You're just existing together. But you can remember a time when, wow. And, oh, it would be great if we could just be like... You, you know, do you understand what I'm saying? Could it be that you've lost your love? In fact, I would submit to you that it isn't could it be. The issue is, is that we have lost our love for Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's the issue. That's what he's saying to this church. They were doing all the right stuff. But they've lost their first love. See, that's the problem. See, I think if we recognize the problem, we might actually be able to overcome it. Do you understand? Because here's the thing. Have you noticed? Because there you are, you're empty. You know it's the relationship. How do we regain the relationship? So you're doing all this stuff. You're driving yourself crazy doing all this stuff. Nothing changes. Because you're focused in the wrong area. It's a hard issue. And so something needs to happen for you and I to change our hearts towards God. And the wonderful thing is, is Jesus, you ever notice that the Bible, I love the Bible for this reason. The Bible just doesn't expose what the problem is and say to you, well, you got this problem. The Bible will tell you what you got to do about it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Isn't that wonderful? You guys ever been around somebody, ah, you, 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 you're just pointing the finger, you're doing this. Great, what do I do to do something different? I don't know, but you're doing that. That drives you crazy, right? Drives me crazy. But see, the Bible's not like that. The Bible's going to tell you what you need to do. In fact, it's going to give us four things here. Four things, and I want you to give me your attention with these four things. Look with me, verse 5. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent, do the first works, or else I will come quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Four things I'm going to share with you from this passage. Here's the first one. Remember when your life was marked by a love for Jesus. Remember, now, let me just stop for a moment because we've got different personality types here, okay? So, you know, we've got the more stoic, gruff, hard-nosed, and then we've got the sappy, okay? Now, I'm not going to spend my time getting in trouble picking out who's who, okay? But you know, and then we've got everything in between, all right? So when we talk about love, for some of you, it's love. For some of you, it's just a cognitive decision. But here's the point. At some point, when you first came to Jesus, you had a love for the one that you gave your life to. Otherwise, you wouldn't have given your life to him. You had a love. 
And, and whatever that was, it might have been a touchy-feely thing for you, or it may have been a cerebral thing. It, it depends on who you are. We've got different personalities here. Do you understand what I'm saying? But the fact of the matter is, is that you, at one time, God was real to you. You weren't empty. He was filling your cup. Do you know what I'm saying? Jesus is saying to you, remember. 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 You know, I have been in my devotional time reading through uh, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings. I'm, I'm in, I believe, 1st Kings right now, chapter 21. But I remember reading in the first part of 1st Kings, Solomon, his interaction with God and his visions. And, and I remember, when I was reading that passage, I remember... 30 years ago, being in this attic of this house, I lived in an attic room of this ministry house a block away from the University of South Carolina, and having my King, I had a King James Bible at that time, open, reading this passage on my knees, and I'm not going to share with you what I prayed because that's too personal, but I remember interacting with God in a personal way Back then in those young, and, and, then I, and I was remembering that just last week, and I was like, wow, things have changed. Things have changed in my whole view of you, God. See, this is what Jesus is calling us to. He's calling you to remember when you were excited. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you did love him. When you were excited about Jesus, he's calling you to remember. Here's the second thing he's telling you to do. Recognize where your life is right now. Recognize where your life is at right now. Because if you think about where you were and you look at where you are right now, there's a big difference, isn't there? I mean, there is a huge difference. Something changed. Do you understand what I'm saying? Something changed along the way. Maybe it was disappointments, because sometimes that happens in human relationships, right? Where you feel disappointed by the other person. Maybe there was disappointment with God. He didn't answer a prayer. Something changed that all of a sudden you changed in your attitude towards God. So remember, but second thing now is recognize where your life is right now. And let's be honest, when we recognize where our life is and we think about where we were before, we're not happy with the way things are, right? Hopefully you're not. Hopefully you're not happy. You want, you want to go back. I hope you do. Here's the third thing he says, and I'm going to spend a little bit more time here. Here's what the scripture says, verse 5. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent. One word, repent. I'm going to take that one word because that's a good Bible word. We hear that in church a lot, repent. I'm going to expand it out for you today to tell you exactly what he means. This came to me this week while I was up at Word of Life camp at 3 o'clock in the morning. Here's what it is. You need to make a life 
change decision concerning your problem. That's what repentance is. See, repentance, we've, we often think of repentance as simply confession. No, 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 you understand. The Bible has the word for confession and the Bible has the word for repentance. They're not the same. Confession is simply saying to God, God, I did what you saw me do. Repentance is confessing that you did something that you shouldn't have done, but it's making a change. Repentance carries with it the concept of making a change. God, I am not going to do this anymore. And and what he's talking about here is, is when you recognize where you were and where you are now, and you recognize that things are not the way they should be, he's calling you to repent. What does that mean? Make a life change decision. What does that mean, George? Well, I'll give you an example that we can all relate to. A lot of us, as we interact in life with our family, people that we know, we even had a ministry here at one time, we know somebody who maybe has wrestled with alcohol or drugs or some other addiction. And if you're around those kind of people, you know that it ain't pretty. It's actually a story of failure because they continue to try, they continue to try, continue to try, and and they meet with what? Failure. You know what I'm talking about? But then every once in a while, you'll meet someone, and they're able to overcome it. And when you talk to them, they'll say something like this. It was one failure after another, one failure after another. Till finally, one day, I just said to God, God, I can't do this anymore. I need to make a change. And something clicked. And they'll say that. Something clicked. And I quit. Folks, that's repentance. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's coming to the place with your problem that you recognize. Listen to me. That you recognize you can't keep going on the way that you've been going. And so you repent. You make a life change decision to forget about the way that you've been going and going in a different direction. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what Jesus is talking about here. Why do you think he's telling us to remember the way things used to be? Because he wants us to go in a different direction. And so some of us here, can I be honest with you? Some of us here, myself included, have got to make a decision. In fact, here's the thing. There has to be a turning point in our lives. 
We have to decide, I'm getting sick of the emptiness. I'm getting sick of the emptiness with my relationship with you, God. I'm getting sick of the same old struggles, same old things, same old stuff that's carrying me down, that's dragging me down. There's got to be a decision. I've had enough, Lord. I need you, and you make the decision. From this point on, I'm going with you, Lord. And you allow him to come in. See, some of us have got to come to that life-changing decision and let God do it. Here's the fourth thing he tells you. Continue your spiritual activities with a renewed love for Jesus. Go and do the first works. What's the first works? The stuff they were already doing. Only the difference is now, the reason why they're doing them is because they love Jesus. Because he's their fulfillment. See, this is what I'm trying to say to you folks. The issue isn't the stuff that we're doing. The issue is why we're doing it. So what do we do with this? Well, let me give you some thoughts and then we'll close, okay? Number one, do you recognize the spiritual emptiness in your life? Listen, I can't tell you, nobody can tell you, only you can tell you. Only you knows where you're at. Do you understand what I'm saying? Only you know where you're at. Only you know what's going on inside of you. Only you know if you are fulfilled in your relationship with Jesus Christ or not. Only you know the reason why you're doing what you're doing. And so you need to recognize, do you recognize the spiritual emptiness in your own life? You've got to ask yourself that question. Here's the second thing. What will it take for you to change the direction of your relationship with Jesus? What will it take? Now, that's a tough one. Because for some of you, you've allowed other things to creep into your life that have your attention. And so it may mean that you need to give those things up. Are you willing? Have you come to the point where you're ready to say, I've had enough! I'm moving on with you, Jesus. I need you. So here's what I want you to do. Here's your action point. Make that life change decision concerning your relationship with Jesus. Make that life change decision concerning your relationship with Jesus. Listen, folks, I'm going to tell you right now. You gotta ask yourself, do you really like being where you're at? And what are you willing to do to get out of there? And I'm telling you, the way to get out of there is to reconnect with Jesus in a meaningful relationship. But you gotta make the decision. And here's the wonderful thing. If you make the decision to reach out to Him, He tells you, I will reach out to you. Jeremiah 29, one of the wonderful passages there. If you seek me, I will be found by you. You don't have to wonder if God wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with you. The question is, is do you want one with him? you got to make that decision. And that's what I'm challenging you to. 
as we're listening for God is that the emptiness doesn't have to be a part of your lives. Because he said, I've come that you might have life. And you might have it more abundant. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.